Okay, good morning, everybody. Just a quick class for uh, breakfast. Uh, breakfast is in honor of Rafi in the kitchen. Okay, so we begin this week's parasha. And you, you should command B'nai Israel. And they should take for you pure olive oil. So we're going to use that to light the ner continuously. So the, the, obviously the, the first question that comes up in this parasha, it says, It doesn't say, And uh, I thought something interesting because we're talking about the olive oil. We say that, that Moshe's name is not in this parasha. Because we'll see next week's parasha, Moshe says to Hashem, right? What does he say? He says, Mechini na, misifrecha. If you're not going to forgive B'nai Israel, erase me from your book. And we know the word Mechini, Mechini, the rabbis take Mechini and they say, Mein Noach. And they compare Moshe Rabbeinu with Noach. It says, Noach, when Hashem told him, go in the ark, I'm going to destroy the world. Noach said, okay, fine, I go in the ark. When Hashem told Moshe, I'm going to destroy B'nai Israel, start a new nation from you. He says, no, or destroy me, basically. So, no, so Moshe Rabbeinu is a tikkun in essence of Noah. And I think we see a little bit here from the, from the olive oil. Because who goes out from the ark? The dove. And the dove represents Knesset Israel. And the dove comes back and has in its mouth an olive branch, a leaf from the olive. And the, the dove is in essence saying to Noah, saying, I'd rather have the bitter olive than you feed me. The bitter olive from Hashem rather than you feed me. And here we have Hashem is commanding B'nai Israel, who's like the dove, but not to bring the bitter olive, but to bring the olive oil. And the olive oil is the essence, is the sweet. So the, the Midrash quotes a pasuk, it talks about the, the, olive, the olive tree. We, interesting, we say this in Tu Bishvat. And when we look at the olive, we, we, the, the olive is interesting because in order to get the olive oil out of the olive, what does a person have to do? They have to crush the olive. So if you're going to tell me you're going to compare B'nai Israel to the olive, does it take crushing in order to get us to be who we're supposed to be? And the Midrash tells us something very interesting. It says, based on the Gemara, that the oil that emerges when the olive is crushed existed in its present form from the start. It was previously hidden, but it's now revealed through the removal of this disposable shell in which it was contained. And it compares to B'nai Israel. Each of us has within us this pure olive oil. And what happens sometimes is you have to press us in order for the olive oil to come out. And when you do the olive that comes out, the oil that comes out is perfection. It says sometimes we have to be pressed because in the essence of us is perfection. And the Rambam, he actually uses this rationale for when a guy is, supposed, is going to divorce his wife. And the Bet Dean says to the guy, okay, you have to give your wife the divorce. The problem is when you give your wife a divorce, it has to be voluntarily. It can't be coerced. But the Bet Dean's allowed to beat the guy until he says, I give it voluntarily. So you say, what do you mean? How is that, how is that not coerced? And Rambam says, because inside, like the olive oil, the guy wants to do the right thing. All of us are pure. 
But it takes sometimes a little bit of a beating to get the guy to come to what's really pure. The Nitivot Shalom, he brings, that olive oil differs from other fruits in, an, from other, other fruits in another way. He says the, the, that what comes out of the olive also is good for fuel, a source of light, a source of heat. And he says, B'nai Israel, even when we're filled with, with Averot, in the essence of us, is complete and true and pure. And again, he says it's just a matter of bringing us out. We bring also the rabbis that what's the difference between olive oil and other liquids? It says when B'nai Israel tries to mix with the people, what happens? You could shake the, the dressing. You shake the dressing and it looks like it's all combined. But you put it back on the table, what happens after a while? It completely separates. And what goes to the top? Always the olive oil. The Kitab Sofer explains the analogy. He says that the persecution of B'nai Israel is similar to the beating of the olives in order to release their oil. He says too often B'nai Israel, we scatter ourselves among the nations and we become like the nations to the point where we're not recognizable. He says, and then what happens is the nations then recognize us. You know, it's interesting that we read the Megillah and the Megillah, we say, look what happened. You have... You have all of these hundreds of years of Nevi'im telling B'nai Israel, you got to repent, you got to do good, you got to do right. And all these Nevi'im, they don't listen to anybody. And what happens? Haman, the Achashverosh takes his ring and hands it to Haman. And that transfer of that ring did more for B'nai Israel to do Teshuvah than all of the Nevi'im yelling at them for years and years. So sometimes... It takes the pressure from above in order for us to realize who we are and to open up who we are. I, we saw yesterday, and it's interesting how many texts I got and how many things based on the threat of the, uh, of the day of anti-Semitism, which was yesterday. And Baruch Hashem, we went last night, the cops were still outside when we finished praying last night. We said thank you to them. The cops were here. Yeah, yeah, the cops were here the whole time. The cops and police were here. So yeah, so we went out last night, we, we thanked them for being here, and uh, they told us, thank God, there was absolutely no incidents, but they just wanted to give the people confidence. But we saw videos that came from Florida with these lunatics, the, 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 Goyim, Defense, the Goyim Defense League, Mejnuns. They went from, they got, thrown out of, uh, they got thrown out of California, so they moved to Florida. And you see them screaming like lunatics, and dangerous. But it's interesting that, 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 even with their lunacy, it, also, it makes Jews start to think, you know what, we have to come together because this different Jews from different walks of life all say, oh, you know, we have to come together because we have no one to depend on except for each other. But I, I heard a, a, a very interesting story and uh, it was, uh, it was uh, I, I heard it uh, last week. And uh, a rabbi tells a story about a certain guy and this guy was a, a learned guy, religious guy, so to say, but he got involved in a, in a deal, in a, in a deal that uh, wasn't so kosher. And in the end, there were four or five guys involved in the deal. They all got arrested. And of the five guys, every one of them either got home confinement, nothing, probation, except for him. He got three years. And you don't understand why am I the guy who got three years. We all did exactly the same thing. We were all in the same place. We're all 
Why did I get three years and none of them got jail time? And he said he sat in jail and a year and a half in jail, he's thinking, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And suddenly he remembers a story that's told from the Chafetz Chaim. Says that there was a, a landlord in town and a woman was unable to pay her rent and she was a... Uh, she was an almana. She was a widow. She was a, uh, a widow. And she couldn't pay her rent. And she was struggling to pay the rent. And she couldn't pay the rent. And she went months. She couldn't pay the rent. And he was pushing her to leave, to move out. And she said, I have really nowhere to go. But the guy is a landlord. He wanted his place back. So what did he do? He took the roof off the shed that she was living in. Literally took the roof off the shed. So what's she going to do now? She has no roof on the house. She's not going to stay in the house. So she moved out of the house. She was embarrassed. And the Chafetz Chaim said, Hashem's not going to forget. The story is, and the story is often told, 25 years later, this guy is walking down the street of the town. And for whatever reason, he gets attacked by a rabid dog. And he gets bit right there. And now everyone's nervous to come near him because of the rabies that he has. And they literally left him in the street in the rain in the weather, and he said, and he ended up dying in the street. They said that Hashem doesn't forget. So this guy sitting in jail, and whatever reason, he remembers the story, and he realizes, you know, I'm a landlord, and I have apartments, and I had an almana, and she didn't pay the rent. And I went, I was fighting with her for three years. And finally, I said the heck with it. I changed the locks. I took all of her stuff. I put it on the street. I changed the locks and said, tough. Nothing I could do. He said, it must be this reason that I got a sentence of three years to go to jail. So he says, the next day he called her and he begged her, please, I'm so sorry what I did to you. Please forgive me. She said, I absolutely can't forgive you. I had my children and you embarrassed me in front of all of the neighbors. You took my stuff. You put it on the street. And you shouldn't have done it. You, you want a sheriff should have done it, not you. And I, and I won't forgive you. I absolutely won't forgive you. And he cried to her and he said that, look what's happened to me. I'm sitting in jail. My wife is like Almana because I'm not with her. My kids are like uh, orphans. They have no father. Please, I beg you, I beg you, forgive me. I promise that when I get out of jail, I'll take care of you. And he begged her and he cried and he cried. And finally she said, I forgive you. He says he went back into his cell and he's sitting in the cell and the big burly guard comes to his cell and he says, get up. Get up means they're going to transfer me. He says, I wasn't so excited to be transferred already. I had the system down pat over here. We had, you know, Dafyomi in the morning. I didn't want to go anywhere else. I said, where are you taking me? He goes, don't worry, you're going home. He says, what do you mean I'm going home? He goes, we basically ran out of room in the jail. And they take the least dangerous people and they send them home when we run out of room so we have room for the more dangerous people. So we sent him home. He says he realized, he only realized that. See, sometimes Hashem to put us under pressure so the the oil, the pure oil could come out and do what the right thing is to do. And I think this is part of the idea that Hashem is telling. And we see the difference between Moshe and, and, and Noah and the difference in, in the olive versus the olive oil. And all of us should think, you know, a lot of times in life, Hashem puts us in a difficult position. But the difficult position, it, it feels terrible at the time. But we have to know that often the difficult position is to force us to bring out
the oil from within has forced us to do something different. Bezrat Hashem, late in the week, I'm going to tell you an unbelievable story, but it takes too long, so we'll wait until the next one. Have a good day, everybody.